0: Welcome to Facebook Live. I'm John Zerflo, director at the American School of Warsaw, here with you for our regular Wednesday town hall. We're getting closer and closer to the start of school. I want to welcome Dr. Olszuk again. Uh, he's in the way room there, and I think if he can turn his video on and unmute himself, uh, he can go ahead and join me now. Good evening, sir. Good. So good, good to have you with me again. Nice to be with you and with all the parents. <laughs> Um, looks like we've got about 10 or 15 online. Actually, we're past 25 now already. Uh, just a note to parents, I've set it up in the comment that if you want to join us in the Zoom meeting, you can pop over and uh, join us in the Zoom meeting. You just have to mute the Facebook feed because it'll be off by a few seconds. And we don't want to get echo. Uh, but please feel free to come. I'll watch the participants. They'll go into a waiting room to start and then I'll admit you to the room. And you can ask your questions to us directly as we go through the presentation tonight. So we've got lots to talk about tonight. Uh, as uh, Dr. Olchuk and I have have been talking, uh, we just had government things today. We've worked out a variety of detail pieces that we want to put online with everybody. Um, so there's there's quite a bit to go through. So with that in mind, I'm going to go ahead and throw our screen up so that we can start going through our slides. We've done another presentation here, and I've actually already got this up on the FAQ site, which I'll talk about a little bit later. And it's a slimmed down version of last week's presentation that hopefully will get us right into the details that we're uh, thinking about and the way in which we're planning to get you ready for the day. So the more stuff here that's going to be checklist-ish. These are the things you're going to have to tick the box on to get ready for school to open. Um, so here's the down to details presentation, our down to details uh, town hall. Um, let's start with uh, the what has guided us. Just remind everybody that the backdrop of this is all about our core values and our mission statement. Uh, These are the things that have guided us in our preparation and planning and everything that we're thinking about doing. And we've got lots to update you on as all of the information starts coming together. And again, last week, I also shared that my focus and our focus here is on emotional well-being. We're coming back after a significant stint away from school. We're very sensitive to that and very sensitive to age levels and different ways that kids may be experiencing this. Um, so we're definitely using that as our core backdrop to our planning. So please keep that in mind as you see the things that we're pushing out there. We're also listening to you. And seems that we're doing a pretty good job on this because our prior survey at the top and our most recent survey at the bottom, and you can see that we're improving incrementally with each step. And if I'd gone back to a couple of other iterations, it's an improvement each time. Uh, with your questions, with our feedback, with uh, your comments in the survey, which we take into account as we continue to hone our planning and prepare for opening day. Government guidelines came out today. uh, Dr. Olashuk, I I think you might want to chime in on this too, because I think uh, you and I both have been looking at them really closely, but effectively they've uh, given permission for schools to open. They've got some flexibility in this model in terms of response plans. They've given broad discretion to directors to implement those guidelines. They're strongly reinforcing the hygiene rules, social distancing, where feasible. Uh, They did not include a requirement for masks. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about this and how we're gonna weave this into our environment at the outset and how we're gonna make decisions. Um, Dr. Olesiu, anything else from the government guidelines today that particularly hit you?
1: No, I think the, you know, the, the, the discussion that uh, came after the guidelines were issued were about the last point that you have here, which is the discretion or the decision-making authority of the director principal to decide on the uh, educational model in case of an infection. So if there is infection, Detected in school, the director will have full authority to decide whether to continue the um, traditional classroom learning or go into a hybrid model or completely shut down the school. So this is actually great news because uh, uh, we, uh, if this stays, then uh, John will have full authority, and I think with the plan that you are implementing, John. Um, we should have uh, very limited uh, exposure to uh, this kind of a uh, intervention uh, because again, you are the decision maker in the end.
0: Yeah, and then that was the, the takeaway here too is it seemed that everything that they were putting in the plan was very much lining up with what we've been putting in place. That's true. Everything That's true. that we've been describing, everything that we've been articulating um, and particularly with the flow and the protocols seems to line up very nicely with what the government has put in our hands in terms of making decisions. It's so a good high, news. Level,
1: high level guideline. But, uh, but yeah. yes, I mean, we are extreme. We are you know, three levels more detailed in what we are putting in place. Uh, but I think, as you said, overall, the principles are exactly the same.
0: Yeah. So opening August 18th. So here's your checklist for what you're going to need to do before your first day of attendance, everyone. First of all, you're going to be going into PowerSchool, and that should be starting tomorrow. And part of power school each year, particularly the last couple of years, has been filling out a permission form. Essentially, we call it the waiver, the health decision form. It confirms all of the details about health care, uh, about permission for us to treat in the case of an emergency and your personal information. The GDPR requirements are done on that form as well. We've added a question up front. And in this question, you're going to make your choice, which we've been talking about for the last couple of meetings, as to whether you're coming to attend school or whether you're going to join our hybrid program for the initial three weeks of school. And so you'll make that choice in order to let us know up front what you plan to do for your child. And those are the two choices right now, depending upon the numbers and how uh, the various programs weave together, uh, we'll decide what other things we'll bring on board after that first three week period. And after we see what our attendance numbers look like. So just know that that's the first choice There will be future opportunities or decisions and things that we'll do based on how the numbers line up. But you'll need to make your informed choice based on having been involved in these videos and involved in all of our information about which school setting you want for your child. Do you want them to attend school or do you want them to stay home and join a hybrid program where they'll remain in their scheduled classes and they'll be essentially connected with their teachers and work Uh, a mix of synchronous and asynchronicity from home. And teachers will be working busily next week, preparing all of the bits and bobs specific to their class that will be involved in that hybrid program. Next, you must do testing prior to attending school. Testing will begin on August 10th. You're going to complete that. You must complete it at school. It means you're going to need to come into school starting next week on the 10th. And we'll continue that kind of testing all the way to the 19th. Again, your appointment set up for that so that we can kind of keep from having long lines or crowds is going to be in PowerSchool. It's going to work just like we did back in June when we were doing checkout appointments. You scheduled an appointment, you popped in, everybody was ready to meet and greet you and take care of of what needed to happen. And it'll be basically a drive-through testing near our front entrance. So you'll be able to drive up as a family. You'll be able to pop out. The kids will get tested, logged into our system, and you'll be on your way. So we figure it'll take two or three minutes of time uh, when you're with us. And if we get a chance later, we've got a couple of videos we're hoping to share with you so we can show you what that process looks like if we have time. We're also going to RFID wristbands that kids will be wearing in order to get access uh, to each of their cohort entrances. That system may not be fully functional on the first day. So we'll be using different methodologies until we get that solidified. But we are looking at those RFID wristbands and we'll be looking to deploy those uh, before that first day of school. So you'll be able to pick those up and get things that you need. Um, also, and we're going to talk about this in depth here in a minute, is access and setup of the OK for School app. Dr. Loshuk is going to tell us a bit more about that in just a minute and how that works and what that will look like for you um, on a daily basis, as well as before school begins. And then shortly, you'll get additional divisional directions about how the start of school will look. Given that parents are not gonna be coming into the building, each division will have a plan for how to successfully get kids from the drop-off areas uh, in front of the school into their classrooms where they'll be able to connect with kids and make sure that they're cared for. Uh, Again, age-dependent, so there'll be different plans for each age level um, that we'll be pushing out from divisional principals next week. Okay, so that's the pre, that's before opening. Um, Let's talk about the OK for School app. Um, You're gonna get an email with a link to install the app or directions on how to access the website. And you may use the app or you may log in via browser each day to complete your daily survey for each child and access the test results and reminders. So this is what's coming in very short order and we're gonna be pushing that out in the coming days. Uh, but Dr. Olishak, why don't you talk about the app? This is the app that expert is bringing to us. So why don't you take us through this and just tell me when I need to push forward on this. Yeah,
1: so uh, the app has basically uh, you know, four functionalities. So <clears throat> one is uh, the onboarding questionnaire, okay? So when you register, you will be asked, you'll be prompted to first of all, fill out your uh, your details, but then, it will prompt you for an onboarding questionnaire. And I will share with you in a sec what the onboarding questionnaire is about. And then the daily questionnaire. So, this is the daily risk assessment questionnaire. It's a seven uh, question uh, survey. And I will also show you what it is about. The second one is about prompts. So, you will get prompts. And you see it on the kind of on the second screen from your left, uh, which tell you what is your status. And then it will prompt you what to do. So we will have clear instructions, I will also go over these uh, momentarily. You have the option to manually add a test result. Okay, so for those of you who decide not to use the the school testing facilities, or for those of you who, for example, want to do a PCR test somewhere else to confirm that you are healthy, or you have already a PCR test that you have done and you want to upload it, then you can manually add a test result. And our quality control uh, lab technician will then approve the test results. Okay. So, the test result can be either uh, you, you can uh, take a photo of the test result or you can upload it uh, from a file. Uh, we have an, uh, there's op- also a user profile uh, functionality where you can uh, set your, you know, your units, your country. Um, you can change your onboarding questionnaire in the future as well, because there is some, some information about your disease uh, history, um, which may change, for example. Uh, and you can also add a child. Normally, what you will see when you log in for the first time as a parent, it should be populated already. Okay, But in the future, if you, if you have another child who will come to school. Then you can manually add this, uh, you know, the, the other child to the to the uh, to the app. Um,
0: next slide. So be- before we go to the next slide, just to clarify, because of the information we've been sending out, is that at the st- while the testing on your own outside will be viable in the future. The initial testing has to be done at school. It has to be done at school, and we have to be using our protocols. And we're really going to look at these options as being things we incrementally layer or add. And there was a question in the line, and you answered it right after the person asked it, which is, (laughs) this is really a parent-based app primarily. And so parents, when you get your link and you go in, it'll automatically have your children linked and you'll be able to quickly and easily switch between children.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Okay, there's the next slide, go ahead. Good,
1: so uh, these are the statuses that the the app will give you based on the test results and the uh, daily survey or the onboarding survey. So the first one is green and hopefully all of you, most of the time, all the time will have green. This screen you have when your last screening test is negative and your screening test is still valid. So it has not expired because the validity is seven days and you filled out no symptoms in your daily survey and you have low risk factors in your daily survey. And I will again, you will see the daily survey in a second. You'll understand what that means. There's a yellow status with a test expired prompt which basically means that uh, your screening test has expired. So you have done it more than seven days ago. There is a yellow survey missing status, which means you have not filled out your daily survey. Okay, so it will show, okay, you have not filled it out. Once you, when you fill it out uh, and you have low risk factors, it will turn to green automatically. Orange. Will mean that the screening test your or your, your kids was positive. So um, John will go through the testing protocol. But in the testing protocol, we have the first screening test and then a confirmatory test. So uh, if the um, uh, status turns orange, that means your child had a or was in the pool that tested positive, and they need a confirmatory test. There is a red symptomatic. Code, which basically means, uh, which uh, is shown when you fill out the daily survey and you declare you have symptoms such as fever, chills, uh, muscle ache, uh, loss of smell, taste, but you have no confirmed COVID-19. Okay, so uh, you are symptomatic and red, but you there is no confirmation yet that you are you have COVID-19. Then you have red presumed positive which is given when you had contact with a confirmed case or you have a very high risk from daily survey. So if you fill out a lot of the risk questions as yes, then um, and a lot, you know, for now we are setting the lot at uh, the threshold at nine. So uh, there, there are 10 questions. And as soon as you enter the ninth one as yes, you will get a high risk. But the app will have a machine learning algorithm, which Will uh, kind of learn by itself whether nine is uh, correct, whether it should be eight point five on a population level or eight for you individually, etc. And then you have black, which basically means that you are uh, confirmed COVID nineteen with a PCR test.
0: Okay, does it make
1: sense? Okay, so it does.
0: It does. I, I just wanted to highlight that 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 those different levels will have. Uh, meaning for us in the protocol and in the way yeah, we cycle yeah, things exactly, and in the and in the decisions to exclude kids from class correct. in order to follow up on the testing and the additional confirmatory stuff all the way up to and including the exclusion for an extended period of time until we retest and return correct
1: mm-hmm. so okay. the next one the next one is the prompts that you will see so this is when you get the last page I show when you get it and then the prompt so green you will get a prompt you are healthy your last screen test was negative your next test is on and mm-hmm. the date will be displayed the next one yellow test expired your screen test is correct please send your swab at your earliest okay so if you haven't done it uh, then the next day you come in you you bring your swab or you, you get swapped uh yellow survey missing please fill out your daily survey. Symptomatic, you have symptoms suggesting possible COVID, stay home, isolate yourself even from your household members, contact your primary care physician and call the nhs hotline. Red, presumed positive. Based on your daily survey, you may have exposed yourself to SARS-CoV-2. Please stay home for 72 hours and submit your swab on. You will also get this one, by the way, when you travel abroad and you come back.
0: Because mm-hmm. that'll be um, one of the questions that you're gonna be asking, so it'll yeah. flag it that way.
1: Yes, exactly. And then black covered your pcr test was positive you have COVID 19 stay at home and follow governmental guidelines you will be retested on and then it will show the pcr test plus 12 days because normally it's after 12 days or 14 that depends we will change it if uh, this changes but normally it's 12 days
0: next one by the way we're seeing some questions about testing and timelines Everyone, we're going to be talking about that in a we'll little be bit uh, because uh, Dr. Olashouk and I have spent a significant time on this today <laughs> and kind of refining the protocol to make sure we're addressing that. Um, and yes, uh, a person asked about whether teachers will be in the school in person. Yes, all teachers are coming to the school in person uh, with only a few exceptions based on based on health related concerns. But we're kind of dealing with that. But we Pretty much we'll have everybody back in place for us to open um so again we're going to come back to the days and the hours later so go ahead onboarding survey these are the kinds of things that they'll find in the questions in the initial stage right
1: yes so this is the first survey that you will get uh, which is kind of your a bit of your user profile although it already asks about the symptoms as well because you know this is the most important part obviously for uh, for any active infections ongoing. Uh, so basically, if you have any of the symptoms, uh, you will immediately get the red symptomatic. Uh, so there are questions about the, the, the symptoms and the kind of uh, COVID-related symptoms. Then there are questions five to eight about potential contacts. So you're being present in um, in abroad or in a medical school, like hospital, which is usually a, a big uh, a big. Uh, Um, potential uh, source of infection uh, area where there was a significant increase in the number of cases Um, the next slide there you go and then there are some profile questions about your risk profile your personal risk profile so uh, do you do you does your work require to have regular close contact with people you don't know so for kids it will not uh, You live with anyone whose work requires them to have regular close contact with people they don't know okay so medical professionals grocery store clerks courier etc age age has been has been shown as an important risk factor uh, for uh, both getting infected and for severe uh, course of disease and then your medical history we don't ask specifically about uh, specific diseases so it's a yes or no for the entire question uh, it's again it's more for uh, us to have the uh, the information that you are at higher risk so if there is a if there is um, a situation in, in the school of an outbreak then uh, we will be taking care of you as a priority
0: and this is these these are questions for the parents so you've got a parent profile and then you yeah. also have A set of same questions questions for the kids. Yeah. And then also the questions are answered from the kid's point of view. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Legitimately, there's not going to be as much of this, but still could be some of these issues. There could be some of these. Yeah,
1: Yeah, there could be some. Okay. Next one. And the daily survey is uh, basically about symptoms, contacts, and uh, risk. Okay. So questions one and two is about symptoms. So you will be asked to measure your body temperature and record it here. Uh, you will be asked about symptoms. So again, the same type of question as the onboarding survey.
0: That temperature piece is kind of important because one of the things we've read in the literature is while we'll be checking temperature at the entrance too, it's really more important to catch that temperature first thing in the morning. First thing in the morning, morning. yeah, absolutely. So parents, make sure you've got thermometers so you can be taking kids' temperature home because that's going to be a question that's going to come up on the survey.
1: Yes, um, and it's it, and the answer is the actual temperature in centigrade. So it's not high low. Uh, you cannot mm-hmm. do it by touching the forehead, uh, <clears throat> even even if you have uh, a thermometer in your uh, in your fingers. So questions three to five are about potential contacts. Okay. So uh, and obviously sometimes. Uh, for these questions, uh, like for the question, have you had co- close contact with a person diagnosed with COVID-19? There's also a possible answer, I don't know, because obviously uh, mm-hmm. we may not know that. But uh, hopefully most of the time those people are, uh, are they know and and we should know. Uh, mm-hmm. There's also a question about uh, close contact with a person who had any of the symptoms suggesting COVID. Because again, the, we have to assume that a person who has fever and is not tested, and then again, there are these red symptomatic. Okay, so uh, so for us, we treat them exactly the same as a confirmed COVID. Yeah. Then there's this question: Have you been abroad or in an area designated as high risk? And then uh, uh, question six and seven are about risk behaviors. Okay, again, it's an honor system, so you uh, it's, it's for you to understand what is your risk profile. But basically. Uh, you can check all that apply for you in question six and seven uh, since the last survey. Okay, so hopefully since yesterday uh, because you're filling it every day, uh, we are asking you to fill out uh, your kind of uh, what you have been, uh, where you have been because the app is not tracking anybody. There is no uh, Bluetooth tracking or GPS tracking. Uh, but these are the For now, these are the areas and the kind of situations of the highest risk of contracting COVID.
0: Yeah. Let me go back to a couple of questions that are showing up in the stream here. So Martin was asking about, is the questionnaire an app for students only or families too? And we, as we just said, the parent's going to fill out a profile as well as filling the profile out for the individual children. So yes, to a certain degree, although we expect that the risk factors for families are going to kind of overlap a little bit. Sure, exactly. You're going to talk about the data and the sensitivity and all that in just a minute. I'm going to hold on that question. Uh, One of the questions was, will the school be verifying that the daily survey has been completed before allowing the school? As I understand it, it, you're going to compile the data through your system and all you're really going to be informing us is, are they okay for school or not? And that will inform our systems as well as informing the person who's filling out the survey, Yeah, this child should or should not go to school. And that will be what, and it'll be, it'll be sent to us and we'll know that so that if it, for some reason you didn't read it right, or there was a miscommunication, we'll be catching that child at the door and making sure that we get in touch with you and make a decision about how your child will return home. Correct. And then let's see, the other one here. Um, the accuracy of the data. I mean, I, I guess what somebody's asking here is how do we verify self reporting? Yeah. Dr. Olishuk, I think you talked a little bit about the research behind this and how there's a high degree of validity for this. But I understand and I need to report that there's no 100% in any of this. What has been your experience with the app and other settings where you've used it, and and what? How would you respond to that question about ensuring accuracy?
1: Well, I mean the uh, the questions are quite simple. Okay, so uh, uh, the, the all it takes is a truthful answer. Okay, truthful obviously being the keyword. word
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, because uh, you know I mean I, I, I quite well remember what I did yesterday. So if I Uh, spent uh, an hour on the bus, then I remember this. That's why we're doing this daily survey and not a weekly survey, because we don't remember what we have done a week ago, but we remember quite well what happened
0: yesterday. So that helps increase the validity. So it helps increase the validity. Yeah. And then I guess the other point that I'll make, and this is for me to parents, and I wanna be very clear about this. In our core values, this idea of how we work together has a a built-in expectation that everybody will do their part to contribute to creating this safe environment. And this app is one way that we do that. Um, You know, the real power, we're gonna talk about masks later, but the real power of masks is not about protecting yourself. It's really about protecting others just in case you've been exposed to it so you're not sharing it with others. And that's the kind of attitude we want to get around these practices is how we create this safe bubble together where we can interact and feel quite confident and safe in that interaction because we're doing these steps and we're attending to it and we're making sure um, that we're being honest and, uh, and upfront about these exposures and, uh, and assessing our own situation and then making sure that we're protecting the health and safety of others. So I really want to focus on that core value in answering that question and, and understanding this. Um, Dr. That the, the non-English, we said at the beginning, the app is switchable between Close Polish it. and English right now. And do we have uh, thoughts on uh, when we might be able to add the other languages? I know we talked about that a, a bit. Yes,
1: yes. I mean, if, if needed, we can add them. Uh, we can do it probably, you know, kind of in the September timeframe. Uh, we assume that between Polish and English, most people should be fine given uh, this is an American school. Uh, but ag- again, you know if if there are any other languages, we're obviously thinking about we're adding quite soon Spanish because we're also deploying the app in the US uh, in a few institutions. So uh, and in the US Spanish is important. So we, Spanish will be there shortly. Mm-hmm. Um, again, if you guys need any other languages, just let me know and we will uh, we will prioritize.
0: Yeah. Um, Somebody's asked about specific times for the daily survey. I assumed, and maybe wrongfully so, that um, the survey just needs to be done and confirm your status in the survey before you send your child out the door. Is that kind of a correct assumption? Because then the systems are going to be linked in such a way that we'll know at the front door if there's a child that should not be admitted to school.
1: Correct. Correct.
0: Um, you want to talk about the data, because that's the other questions here, is people are concerned about data and the privacy, as everyone should be. Sure. And that's one of the reasons we chose this system, is that you have all of the necessary compliances here. Do you want to talk about where the data is stored and how this is, is going yep. to work? And how does it work in the web version versus the phone version? That might yep. be an important point, too. Yeah. So uh, again, we have, uh, you know,
1: we, we made a lot of effort to make sure that uh, the, the data is, uh, is safe and is as private as, uh, as can be. Um, the, the data is encrypted, first of all. It is stored on cloud servers of Microsoft Azure. We are also adding AWS as well, very shortly. Um, this data is stored, so all your uh, daily survey. Data is stored in the phone only, okay, and will be deleted after 30 days, okay. So we are not even as API expert as uh, the person who is processing or as the entity who is processing your data. We actually don't see the answers to your surveys. We only get the code at the end. Okay. Uh, the test results, on the other hand, they are stored by us. For 20 years this is a requirement a legal requirement we have as a registered medical provider in poland uh, to store uh, health data for 20 years the passwords are protected obviously uh, you have control over your data uh, we are not using the data for anything uh, and again it's a no tracking uh, app so we are not tracking anything there's uh, and uh, so it's a, that saying, speaks it's a,
0: to the like the we've all been reading the news stories about the contact tracing apps, right? That are using this Blue is not a
1: contract tracing app. We, We're not is, doing
0: any of that in our contact in-
1: tracing is a reactive app, it's when infection happens. This is a preventative app, so we don't have to do this. Got it. We are compliant with GDPR in the EU. We are also compliant with HIPAA, FERPA, and CCPA in the US uh, because, again, we are deploying the app in the US as
0: Okay, so I think hopefully that answers some of the data and privacy questions and how this is all covered. This is why we're contracting with you and with your app, because it's a proven, known, used entity out there and has, as you've stated, all the compliances. So that that works out, I think, really well for us. Mm-hmm. All right, so the daily checklist, and this comes back to the questions of what do you do each day? So each day you're going to wake up and make part of your regular routine to fill out that daily survey in the OK for School app. That's every morning. Uh, make sh- then the things are more about structurally getting to school. You're going to make sure you either have a water bottle at school or it's in your possession. Because remember, we've switched from water fountains to entirely bottle fillers throughout the building. So please make sure you're ready for that. You're going to pack a lunch or confirm that you've ordered your lunch online from the cafeteria. We're sending cafeteria information tomorrow. And and so we're really wanting to make sure you're ready for that in order to uh, be prepared. And we're going to see lots of brown bagging and 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 bringing lunches, I think, in the early stages until you get things up and running. And cafeteria will be more limited choices. Elementary, as we've talked about, will be served in the classroom. Upper school will be able to collect their lunches at the cafeteria, but there won't be a la carte salad bars, all the things that we remember from before COVID, that's going to be on hold for the time being. And all of this will be explained to you through the cafeteria communication and their online ordering system. One that we didn't mention last week that again was part of the audit recommendations is we won't have access to microwaves. And so please don't Uh, consider that microwaves or heating uh, will be possible at school. So you're looking at cold lunches. If you're bringing lunch, uh, it'll be a hot or warm lunch from the cafeteria that's delivered uh, in special containers that we're going to be using. I wanted to get a picture of those tonight, but I I failed to get a visual image. We'll send that out in the next day or so. Uh, We're going to talk about masks in more detail later, but put on your mask pack and extra at the very minimum. Masks are definitely being worn on transportation, uh, bus transportation in particular. And we're suggesting pack an extra in case you need an extra during the day. Again, we're going to talk about that and we're going to try to alleviate some fears uh, relative uh, to uh, the mask wearing. Um, And then enter the school when you get to school at your cohort entrance. Uh, Whether you're dropped off or buses, you'll be entering your cohort entrance, and you'll have a cool wristband that you'll be wearing that you'll be swiping at the entrance. And that'll validate and confirm that you're clear to enter school based on having completed the activities and not uh, pushing past the threshold that the OK for School app has set. Um, And if you do, then we'll have people there to meet you and interact with you and contact home to determine what our next steps will be. going to go back to our original model and just really confirm all of this in terms of how it's tied into our core values our three levels stop protect react and how we're going to manage our environment we're not going to go into depth but again that one to the right that work together is the really critical one we are creating and trying to establish this safety bubble This all got inspired by a message that was written to me last year, and it's consistent with the advice. So it's also consistent with uh, what we've been, EPI experts have been talking to us about. And that's this idea of how we mutually support each other in creating this safe environment. The parent that wrote to me in the spring after we'd been in virtual school for a number of weeks basically said, "My, my child wants to have some time with a friend. We know that the family uh, down the street where one of his best friends is, they've been doing the same as us, that for this five, six, seven weeks, we've been locked down and we've been very diligent about making sure we're not exposing ourselves to risk. Can these two friends play together? And I had to think about it a little bit because we were all locked down in our homes. We were all separating ourselves from everything and everyone out of due diligence, But the answer was, after thinking about it, and after checking with some health professionals, that the answer was yes, because those two families knew each other. They knew well that they were following those protocols and following those guidelines. They had effectively created a safe bubble, and they could easily mix with each other without creating additional risk for their families. So, It's important that we understand that what we're trying to do is escalate that and take this out to a whole school community, create a safe community where we all have a degree of um, determination about what we want to create and making it safe for us to do the things that we want to do that we call school. Um, And the testing will help back that up as a safety net. That's that stop. The protect is about us all working together in school and out of school to make good choices. And then methodologies where we can react when we need to react. So the testing and the access control, testing of all students and staff, uh, that should be and not in, testing results coupled with the entry authorization Um, The other term that's used for that daily survey is this daily attestation. We're thinking, we're hearing attestation more often in the stateside services and the badge and identification and controlled checking. We know start of school attendance is gonna be a little bit staggered as we talk about the day requirement here in a minute, you're gonna understand that a little bit more. Um, Testing, we will test at school uh, to start for at least three to four weeks, possibly longer. We can, and Dr. Olshak, you might wanna talk about this at this point, we're hoping to be able to transition to testing at home, that parents will be able to do the test with these kits that are pre-approved, FDA approved for home sample collection. Do you wanna talk about that a little bit more?
1: Yes, so uh, you know, I think ideally, because the, the, the actual swabbing is the anterior air swabbing that we will be using. Uh, which is uh, one of the four uh, sources of uh, the biological material approved by the FDA as a a source for uh, molecular diagnostics for COVID. Uh, And it's uh, extremely painless, okay? And it's extremely simple. So you will see next week when you're uh, being tested and your kids are being tested, you literally insert the swab, which is is very narrow. Uh, I mean, it's very small and John, I, I think you can also talk about this. To uh, so the first, we, we say it to the first resistance. Okay, so it's about it's about here. So it's it's, it's literally like one and a half, two centimeters. And then you press the the nostril, the, the external nostril to kind of push the swab inside. And uh you you turn a few times, three, four times, and then you do the same in the second nostril, and then it's it. So uh, you, you you will you will see that it's uh, it, it's it's really really simple. So that's why we're thinking that uh, after you get used to it in the first three four weeks and you see it a few times, um, you should be able to relatively quickly transition into it. We are also thinking about providing telemedicine support just in case uh, you know you feel you will feel a bit uh, at a loss. Then uh, obviously we'll have a video that you you can always relate to. But we can also provide telemedicine support. Uh, you know, in exceptional case.
0: Now, a better video is coming. But do you want to share yours? Because I've got it queued up if we want to take it. I could, yeah. If, if you have it, yeah. <laughs> OK. So let me, um, I just have to go in here and drop out really quick. And I'm going to bring it over. I think That's you actually, can see that, right? Yeah. yeah, it's me testing my son. It's me swabbing my son.
1: So no, I think basic... I have
0: to. I have to share this directly to make it work. So hang tight while I switch the sharing, because I want to make sure I get the audio here. There we go. This will work.
1: Good morning. So we want to show you how to take an anterior nerve swap. So first, you have to blow your nose. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can take the tube, swap take out the swab, put the tube on the side. Insert the swab into the nostril until the first resistance. Very shallow. And then press slightly and then turn two times. Insert in the other nostril until the first resistance. Press, turn two times. Okay, put back this swab into the tube without touching anything. Look,
0: Put in the plastic bag. Seal. And all done. Ready to go to school. So <laughs> that, thats what we're talking about, right? Quick and simple, and exactly. <laughs> so and it's do... painless. I
1: didn't—I I didn't ask my son how he felt, but he said it tickles. Okay, so it's. Uh, uh, but so you see, it's—I mean—it's relatively simple and uh, and, and painless. And obviously you do it in the morning. Huh? So it's it's best to do it in the morning.
0: And that's kind of the reason for going to to a home version is to take advantage of that, right? Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Brilliant. Okay, so that's testing. and But right now, um, we're going to focus on doing at school and taking care of it here. And yep. that means... We'll make sure we get good consistent results and then we'll trot out the training and we'll figure out how to manage this. A couple of questions here. Somebody asked, why not a throat swab? Why this one as opposed to throat?
1: Well, you can use again, there there are four uh, approved by the FDA uh, sources of uh, material. So the nasopharyngeal, which is the brain picking, uh, Mm -hmm. then the throat swab, then the um, uh, oropharyngeal swab, so kind of uh, even even deeper than the throat, and then the, oh sorry the mid turbinate, so the deep nasal, and then the anterior. Nerve. Uh, the uh, we have tested all these sources on our testing kits and our testing devices, and all of them gave similar results. Okay. In the literature, you see uh, various uh, various uh, methodologies being used. And the anterior nerve is the one that is uh, usually recommended for kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, The uh, sensitivity of the test is uh, almost exactly the same, if not the same, as the oropharyngeal. Again, there is not enough data because nobody has done kind of a big meta-analysis yet. But the the literature that is there points to uh, all these four places being kind of uh, equivalent. Mm And uh, we are also, by the way, but it's a like, it's, it's probably a long shot for now. But we are we are looking at other sources as well. Uh, so, and I will keep you guys posted in the future. But we may have even a simpler uh, approach in the future. But for now, the anterior air again is uh, is uh, is giving us the confidence uh, that uh, we are doing we're catching everybody who is ill and it, it's giving us the confidence that is not painful for the kids
0: and that's been our, our guiding factor from the beginning and we all saw that there was uh, new information coming out about new tests that are coming down the line but until we validate those until we prove those you know we've got to we've got to keep working with this and and yes. you've validated this so that's why yes. this is our first step uh, yes. somebody asked in the comment stream about false positives. Um, and that PCR tests are not accurate in all cases. Um, and I don't know what a gold standard in terms of COVID testing as as with other tests. Do you want to just kind of generally talk about that and why we've chosen this and why we think this is going to give us our best results? And again, we know that there's no 100% in this. What we're trying to do is incrementally reduce risk, but there's never going to be a zero risk. So we have, you know, our, our approach is uh, completely
1: different from the current testing approach. So the current testing approach that is used all over the world is uh, the intent of testing is to confirm the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Okay? Our testing approach is about screening asymptomatic populations. Okay, so we are screaming, So, our null hypothesis, if you will, if you're a scientist, you know what the null hypothesis is. Our kind of assumption, basic assumption, is that everybody's healthy. Okay. Right. So, and we want to catch the, 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 the guys, but our, the null hypothesis is, uh, is we are healthy. Now, the, uh, the story with PCR is uh, that PCR is very accurate. Uh, and it may be even uh, too accurate because PCR will be detecting a lot of people who are no longer infectious, so who had an infection and have this uh, still some remnant virus in their uh, in their mucosa uh, and very often PCR will be positive, like, you know, 45 days after resolution of symptoms. So these would be our false positives and we will, uh, we will uh, likely not be detecting those because in the sample pooling protocol, the uh, test we're using is slightly different. It's not a PR test. It's a lamp test. It's, uh, it's, also a, it's also a PCR test. It's just done differently. It's a different methodology. It's an uh, isothermal amplification. So your temperature is stable. And you create those little loops out of the g- genetic material of the virus. So instead of amplifying the whole Genome of the virus, which is what PCR is basically doing a little bit here you're amplifying the loops so it's much quicker. And this is exactly the standard that is being used now in uh, schools and universities worldwide and, for example, the UK has uh, just announced uh, actually days ago, two days ago. That they are entering into a partnership with this uh, UK company called Oxford Nanopore you can look them up which have uh, this lamp test as well, <clears throat> this quick uh, molecular test for screening populations. Okay, So mm-hmm. this is exactly the methodology that we will be using, the test which is exactly designed for screening asymptomatic populations.
0: And this is part of the reason that we like our partnership because we've committed to updating or changing what we do and what we use yeah. as we learn more and as the science sure. directs us.
1: Absolutely. And science is one thing. And then also common practice, you know, because again, and uh, and we are very proud that, uh, you know, uh, us implementing the lamp testing approach in ASW, you know, we were probably one of the first school, you guys are probably one of the first schools in the world that is doing
0: this. And now we are seeing more and more coming, John.
1: And uh, yeah, I think
0: it's the I think it's the next slide here. Um, Yeah, there's PLU, my alma mater. I decided to go ahead and throw it on a slide here. My son attends uh, PLU. He's uh, actually a graduate student there now, and they just emailed today and said that their new plan includes testing on campus. And they're doing this batch surveillance, which is roughly equivalent to this pooled testing that we're doing here. And, and it's not the only school. We've seen many universities and preparatory schools around the world, and particularly in the US, starting to do this because they see it as the path forward and as the way of doing preventative protection of their, of their safe school environment. Absolutely. Um, Let's talk about travel and testing. And But before I do that, I just wanna grab a couple of questions that have come up uh, and make sure I answer them real quickly. These are simple ones. Uh, there's things about food service and about transportation. All of that's coming home tomorrow. We're in preparation on letter and also direction from both of those entities. Uh, someone asked about protecting elementary school students with food allergies. Well, it's basically the same way as in the cafeteria. We always have a log and alerts about food allergies, and there'll be supervision and protection. So uh, we'll be able to do that equally well in the classrooms, maybe even better in the classrooms uh, than what we do in the cafeteria. Uh, the rules and plans will all come out in due course. And again, it's divisionally specific. Uh, so bus, uh, busing services, everything else. Um, okay, I think that brings me up to date. Dr. Olashuk, let's talk about travel and testing. I know we've been back and forth on this today. Um, and, and you've tried to help me understand the science and kind of strip away the media and politics and really try to understand what's, what's the right thing to do. And so based on our conversation today, do you want to talk about what we've kind of agreed to at this point? Yes, so
1: there is uh, and it's, it's not an it's not an easy tof- topic. I mean, it's uh, it's obviously one that is uh, that is uh, it's it's more a political topic than a scientific topic, but we approached it from a scientific and medical standpoint. So <clears throat> the current recommendation is that uh, for those of you guys who travel abroad and return to Warsaw, we would ask you to uh, stay isolated So, not come to school for 72 hours, okay, and then get tested at school. Now, this is based on a lot of uh, research, but also practice. So, we looked at many countries who are kind of uh, best practice exam, best practice benchmarks. And uh, we looked specifically at New Zealand, at Austria. how they do it and in New Zealand this is exactly how they do it okay so there's uh, there's this 3 day window where you get tested and if you come back from a high risk area then you have a 7 day window okay so this is exactly what we're proposing here as well that for the areas uh, where uh, which are considered high risk in terms of uh, uh, being high community spread countries uh, and we will be providing this list uh, to the school on a regular basis. It's based on ECDC basically uh, kind of uh, you know, reports uh, and also CDC a little bit, although I trust more ECDC reports to be honest. Um, and uh, for those of you returning from those areas, it will be seven days. Now, this is uh, this is based on the fact that For most of you who are returning, you know, from, uh, from abroad, you have a few moments where you are higher risk. So when you're returning from abroad, likely you have stayed in a hotel, probably, or even if not, you were probably in a restaurant. Uh, Or even if not, uh, you were in an airplane.
0: Um, It's really those things that are the risk factors, right? These are the risk factors. So, it's not the travel abroad.
1: I mean, it's it's the uh, the risk behaviors that are associated with travel abroad. Um, now the uh, the seven day rule is there because the high risk areas. Obviously, there is a there is a much higher risk. So we, we want to be on the safe side and uh, ensure that uh, you don't show up to school, because if you show up to school after three days, you may still be uh, may still be not uh, infective uh, so the 7 day give a, the 7 day uh, since your likelihood of being infected is much higher the 7 day window gives us much more confidence uh, close to probably 99.9% confidence that we will catch every single person uh, through, through that testing and uh, isolation and testing methodology
0: And that's really what we're trying to do is just reduce that percentage down to the lowest level possible. So the country list, you've done the initial country list and we will uh, be looking to post this and get this to where it needs to be for everybody to be aware of it. Uh, But this is what you've listed as the current country list requiring that additional seven days. And then uh, rather than trying to come up with this on our own, we're going to rely on EpiExpert to tell us any updates to this list as the relevant data directs us to. And again, you're using your uh, methodology for determining what this country list looks like.
1: Yes, we are looking mainly, the, the main factor for us, the main KPI we're looking at is the um, number of new infections in the last seven days and the trend versus the previous seven days, okay? So if the number is high and it's higher than the previous seven days, Uh, then the country will be on that list. And high is defined as uh, we look at 10,000 in the last seven days as being the threshold at this stage. Mm -hmm.
0: And also at this stage, we're going to take the whole country and we're not really going to try to break this down by region because you're still traveling in and amongst the community members through various channels. So it still increases the risk, right? Correct. Correct. So we'll take the country as a whole, Uh, and the reason people are asking about that is back when we were doing Italy, it was a very narrow exposure at that point in time, and so we did narrow it down to region, but at this stage in the world epidemic, it it no longer really makes sense to No, no. All right. Um, protection, all the things that are uh, we're putting in the school are coming together, the touch-free, the cleaning, uh, the, uh, all the things around the building. It's just amazing to see all this come together. And again, EpiExpert has helped us you know, drive this uh, and uh, giving us their recommendations, but all of the amazing work being done by purchasing, by maintenance, by the people installing, by the companies coming in. Uh, It's really going to look amazingly like a refreshed school, almost like uh, we've become very modern in a variety of ways. Uh, And so uh, look forward to uh, seeing all of that and how we're putting that in place. And that's about, again, this community and creating this clean environment and how we can all help participate in that. Uh, We already know about cohort organization, elementary, middle, and high, and their entrances. Uh, please be sure that you're oriented around that so that you can do the drop offs at the correct locations uh, in the morning. The buses have already been briefed. Everything on transportation is already set up for that. Masks. All right, let's talk about masks. Um, you know, it's interesting that the government came out today and did not require masks. They, it's not that they said don't wear masks, but they didn't. Uh, put uh, uh, at least an epidemiological requirement for it. Uh, We've again been back and forth on this issue a little bit, trying to understand CDC recommendations and implications for that. Um, This is where we landed last week, uh, where we did want to start the year with wearing masks. We're very sensitive to the length of time wearing masks, so it's as feasible. We wanted kids to have breaks with masks. Uh, we want to uh, you know, look at how we interact. We definitely don't want them wearing outside or during PE or during aerobic activity. Uh, we definitely need to have them on in school buses. We know that that's a requirement from, uh, from the react- reflections. Uh, but in classrooms, we're really gonna be masks as feasible. And we're really gonna allow kids, uh, if they feel like they need to take it off for a little bit, I think that's gonna be fine. Um, we're trying to protect others. We're not, not masks are not protecting us. Am I right in this, Dr. Olishuk, or is this just still working science? I know we've been we've been back and forth on this.
1: It depends on the on which mask you're wearing, obviously. Uh, so the FFP1 mask is protecting others mostly. It's uh, it has a, you know they're saying fifty percent protection for us, but uh, it's 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 uh, relatively good in protecting others. Mm-hmm. Uh, the FFP2 mask, or in other words, the N95 or the KN95, whatever notation you use, is actually quite effective in protecting us as well. Okay, so it has both kind of, uh, it ha- it's a two-way protection. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it depends on, uh, on, on, the, on the, the mask type. And obviously it depends on how we actually deal with the mask, because the mask, if somebody is ill, mask is a source of infection so if you suddenly uh, take off your mask by touching the mask the outside of the mask or the inside of the mask then obviously you are then you all your hands are in the virus and then if you don't disinfect your hands and then you know shake hands with somebody then you have a spread so you know masks are good uh, and uh, they have uh, you know they have uh, they have limitations as well
0: there's some are quoting in the comments about uh, Spanish scientists complaining they should take a ten minute break after wearing the mask for an hour. Of course, that's easy for us to do, so we can give kids breaks in between. Um, studies about protect that they're you know protect oxygen levels, hypertension, asthma, cardiovascular, those kinds of things. Um, any sense of that, and and what you would advise is some of that overstated, understated. I mean, it, can we do this for the couple weeks to get us stable? And then you and know, I both talked, if we have good test results, if we don't see cases emerging, we can start to relax these standards as we begin to get comfortable. Is that still kind of the best way to go with this? That's what I would recommend. Uh,
1: I think it's good that we uh, get used to the masks because there will be instances where, when we will be wearing them. Okay. And mm-hmm. For example, if we have an infection uh, mm-hmm. detected at school, then we will mandate masks, at least for the classroom or even the cohort. Okay, yeah. for the next few days. So masks will be around. Uh, I don't think I don't think again. Uh, and Don't take me wrong masks have been proven to reduce transmission. Okay, that's for sure in the community uh i always wear a mask whenever i enter a store i always wear a mask whenever i'm uh, kind of indoors somewhere i don't wear a mask when i'm on the street because i don't believe in community stress spread on the street or at least it has Mm -hmm. never been confirmed Uh, so masks are good at the same time uh, masks are very good if you don't have anything else okay and uh, john is putting a lot of other things to protect the community okay so hence, uh, you know, it, obviously every additional level brings every, you know, additional benefit, but I would say the incremental benefit of everybody wearing the mask all the time will be extremely small given the other things that we are doing, okay? And again, there will be instances where I would absolutely say you must wear a mask every day for the whole day, okay? Uh, But uh, normally I would say, uh, once we get into this uh, flow of testing and we feel confident, and most of all you feel confident, um, then my recommendation would be to slightly relax these these Mm -hmm. rules. uh, Maybe differentiate between high school and uh, elementary, I don't know. But we will be thinking about this uh, shortly.
0: But part of it too is about getting kids used to this idea because The long-term nature of math, not necessarily in school, but out in the real world, out in malls, out in places that you may choose to go to, that's going to be with us for a long time. Absolutely. And that that protective factor of making it fun, making it work for kids, we're going to watch and listen to the kids. We're not going to be uh, rigorous about a kid who's truly uncomfortable or who needs to take a break from a mask. That's where the as feasible comes in in the CDC recommendations. It's not saying 24 seven somehow tie it on tightly so the child can't take it off. That's not what we're talking about, but we are talking about wearing it as much as we can and recognizing that wearing the mask is more about protecting another person as much as it is about protecting ourselves and getting used to this as a trial. And the questions that are coming up about masks, you know, we are very sensitive to that. And again, the science is supporting this, but it's not about rigor and it's not about those kinds of things. And by the way, yes, I have worn a mask. I did it to myself. I made sure I was wearing masks around the office, various types and styles. I've been experimenting all summer. So for those that are asking those questions, yes, we are doing that. And we're making sure that we're trying to understand what the implications of it are and do the right thing. But at the early stage, it seems to make sense to try to be a little bit more rigorous so that later we can relax rather than trying to go the other direction if it becomes clear, as, as Dr. Olishuk is saying, because of an outbreak or because of an issue with a cohort that we have to go um, more a wearing of masks or we have to do additional things. And again, it's where social distancing is not possible when you're in a closer setting uh, in order to again protect each other and and I think again people will make sense out of this they will do it in a way that is caring and an understanding of children and what's possible and what's viable but we need parent support in this too in working with your children to pick the mask that they like what is the style how does it work for them and make it? Make it something that works for them so that they can understand how this fits into the world right now until we have a solution, until we have something uh, down the line that will help us. And it's about protecting kids. The research right now is very clear that kids are not immune to this, that there, are, there is this potential for kids um, to still have issues relative to this illness until we better understand it. Is that an accurate statement? Am I, am I on the right place?
1: You're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, we don't understand, we understand a bit more about the short term complications of COVID. So, kind of the acute phase. Mm -hmm. But we actually don't understand that much about the distant complications of COVID. And there are various reports coming out, you know, uh, that you hear to describing long term Long term health issues in people who have had COVID 19, even asymptomatic COVID 19. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, uh, so, again, I, you know, we, we, our principle is uh, let's not get infected, you know, uh, and because uh, uh, also herd immunity is probably not going to work, huh, by the way. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of talk about herd immunity. We, we were also excited about herd immunity. And when we started working with John, <clears throat> you know, we were talking about herd immunity. But uh, I completely changed my mind about herd immunity after studies came in and, uh, and they questioned uh, you know, whether the antibodies actually stay for how long they stay. And now it turns out that they actually wane after weeks. Mm-hmm. And uh, so even the vaccine may not be protective for all that long.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Again, I want to go back to this question. We are not talking about kids wearing a mask for six straight hours. We are talking about breaks. We're talking about times when they'll take the mask off. They're not going to wear it at recess. They're not going to wear it in PE. Uh, It's going to be transit. It's going to be as feasible in classrooms, but with an allowance to be able to take it off for a period of time while they're working. They're not going to wear it, obviously, while they're eating lunch. So it's really really over the top to suggest that we would somehow say to a kid, you have to wear it for six hours. It's just not going to happen. And we know that. So again, it's going to be a relaxed approach. It's going to be feasibility. It's going to be tighter at the front, looser as we become a safe community that we're all striving to achieve. And I think that's the right approach for the time being until we have a better sense of it. Um, Doctor, there was uh, uh, talk about um, uh, multiple testing, weekly testing and, uh, and children. You and I talked about that previously. Is there any studies or any information about multiple nose swabs on the on the periodic basis that we're looking at are we are there any concerns that you have based on the style of testing that we've chosen? I have no concerns
1: uh, <clears throat> obviously there are no studies huh? so we have to be I have to be very honest because the, <clears throat> this uh, the, we, the weekly swabbing is, is obviously a new thing and we are we are just starting as the world to come into this era of weekly swabbing oh, okay. But based on studies showing what is the damage of the mucosa, even a child's mucosa, after a single swab, Mm -hmm. which is zero basically, uh, and the regeneration capability of the mucosa, that even if there is some kind of a damage, then the regeneration capability and timeline is extremely short in kids. Uh, I have uh, have, uh, zero doubts that uh, we will have any issues. Obviously, there will be individual. There may be individual uh, reactions. Huh? I cannot guarantee this. Although the swabs we are using are completely synthetic, okay, they're completely synthetic, so they should be complete. There's, they, I mean, it, it's. Uh, I, I have not heard of a case, <clears throat> of an allergy to a swab, okay. okay? Um, so, uh, but but please uh, please uh, be mindful. Please see and, uh, uh, but again, I. I and we have done, you know, these types of swabs uh, you know, thousands of times by now, and the kids also, and uh, mm-hmm. we have never had any, any reactions.
0: That's great. So that, that's good. So we can put that to rest. Again, on the mass, everyone, I know you're asking lots of questions about glasses and fogging and those kinds of things. We're not talking that high level of rigor if we need to adjust for a child in order to them be able to focus and not mess with their glasses we'll work with them we're going to be very caring about this and we're going to do this in an appropriate way and create a safe learning environment and again make sure they have the mask make sure they wear them on transport and as they come in and then know that there'll be a caring teacher that'll be working with children in a classroom and making sure it's comfortable and and making sure that everything is going to work out fine and CETA we're going to require it as a school requirement at the start I know that Poland has not required it although they do require it in some settings and there is legal mandate on this particularly when going inside in settings and so we have a lot of basis here to start this way. Again, if we do the other things, if everybody comes together as a community, we can start to relax these standards and get these down. And social distancing is a challenge for us with some age of kids. So I value some of the comments with others. So. Um, and some people are asking about communication and maybe this gets us to uh, the react protocol. And then I'll talk about the communication in the context of this. So uh, Madelina, thank you for that. And I'll keep working on this uh, to get us down the pathway here. So we've got a protocol, we've got everything in place and now, and we've got a risk level and the risk level really is driving why we're being so close and tight on our standards is because we're coming back from being closed. And we wanna do this prudently and step-by-step. Step. If we get the criteria in risk level three that says we can start considering relaxing level two, then we can even change those parameters more. And certainly we'll be looking to EpiExpert and Dr. Arleshuk and all of his team to guide us in that and help inform us of those decisions. We talked about this testing protocol last time together, and we identified you know, these yellow areas, which are areas where when we see results come back that are positive, how we will react and how we will make sure that we're being due diligent. What I can add to this is that at those stages and consistent with the communication I've done in, pro- in the past, we'll be communicating this out to the community. Of course, we'll be protecting privacy and all the things that we need to do, so it's not going to be like naming or or quantifying or, or overly directing, but we will be keeping everyone informed as results from these strategies have an effect and we get information and data back, and particularly when we get down to the lower section where expert and us are going to be meeting together as a crisis team to determine, okay, we've got a positive case. Now, what's the reaction? What's the level of reaction? And Dollar, Dr. Olashog, this is where we talked about you know, the degree of exposure and how that will guide our actions and, and how it will help us to determine whether it's a group or a contact trace group or a cohort or the whole school that we react to, and then how we come back together in quick order.
1: Yes, and so uh, we uh, are uh, looking at this, uh, you know, in a pragmatic way. So, if we identify one case, then, uh, you know, obviously the level of risk is much lower. So, if there is only, and we are since we are testing one fifth of the school population on a daily basis, so if on a on a day we find a positive pool, and out of the positive pool we get a positive uh, person, and there's only mm-hmm. one. Uh, uh we and the other you know whatever 300 people on the day are negative uh then it is very likely that this this uh the, the case this case this positive case has been relatively uh, limited or so the spread has been limited but we would still be uh, probably isolating uh the the, the kids that are uh, kind of in that classroom. Uh, or mandating them, mandating them then to wear the masks, okay, for the next uh, days. We would be doing an off-cycle test after three days, okay, mm-hmm. for those uh, close contact groups, and we'd probably define them as the as the classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we come back to normal. In the meantime, remember, in those seventy-two hours, we would be testing other cohorts because then. On day two would be testing other three hundred people on day three would be testing other three hundred people and we would be seeing whether there was any spread to other cohorts in that respect mm-hmm. um, so we will have again within seventy two hours we will have the full basically uh, understanding of the magnitude and uh, very likely uh, we come back to normal after these seventy two hours then if we see uh, you know more groups, uh, so two to three or four, uh, then we will put different levels of isolation uh, slash measures slash testing requirement to ensure that, again, we limit the spread. I assume that if we have four cases in four different pools, then we go into full-blown crisis bond.
0: Right. And that's where we look at, we go out of school, we take a few days. We figure out what our next steps are, we retest, and then we come back in a kind of segmented fashion. Yes, exactly. Um, There's some other questions here about social distancing. We are gonna implement the social distancing again, like masks where feasible and, and how feasible. Uh, we are, the government has not recommended group size, uh, delineation or anything else. So we're not planning on that again, because we have the additional things in place. We have the testing and we have the protocols and we have a nice backdrop here that allows us to social distance where we can and, and not necessarily look at how we have to have, a high level of rigor there and we can allow teachers to creatively figure out how they create distancing within their classrooms. We don't have high classrooms to begin with. So it feels like we can do that within the context of our school. And again, with the safety of the attestation and the testing as a backdrop to that. Um, Let's see. Um, The additional areas, um, everybody's been asking about uh, more details about transportation and cafeteria, and that's all coming tomorrow, along with a letter to you and directions on getting to power school and getting to all the things that we need to deal with as we're getting ready for school. Uh, Last time, I also mentioned the health checks. Uh, You can safely know that there's going to be an extended Kind of uh, space and time for you to determine how we can deal with that. We know that there are uh, limits on what we can expect of you because there's really not an easy way to get into clinics and to doctors right now uh, to fulfill that. So we'll give a a much extended grace period on that uh, for the start of this year. Um, Other questions? I'm going to keep going back here and kind of checking on things. I know we've got a couple people. Um, In the room with us, I don't know if uh, Libby or Jan, if you have a question, um, you'd have to unmute yourself or you'd have to raise your hand or something if you want to ping me and let me know if you had a question. Um, I don't know. uh, Libby, did you have a question there or did you just want to listen in on the Zoom call? Doesn't sound like it. So. Um, I'm going to keep looking here. Um, uh, Bill's got a question about health choices we can make to reduce the severity of COVID-19 in case we get infected. Is there anything clear on that, Dr. Olishuk, or is it? I mean, it's kind of the health questions that you're already asking, right? Yeah. And yeah. so if you're if you're saying yes to those questions, those are things you should probably stop. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, um, I mean, the, the, you know, obviously, there is no uh, no evidence-based, uh, not enough evidence-based to kind of say, uh, okay, here's what you do to reduce the risk of severe COVID uh, once you get it. Uh, but uh, I would assume that, the that, 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 you know, COVID works like any other uh, microorganism infecting uh, our bodies, which is they trigger the immune response. So, here, obviously, the, there is a bit of, a, a, bit of a, a more challenging situation because the severe COVID is actually caused not by the virus, but by the response of the immune system, by, but by the uh, overreaction of the immune system.
0: I think that's something people confuse quite a bit, right? Yeah. Is, is yeah. There's the virus, but then there's the COVID-19 is actually the disease that emerges. A disease, yeah. It's yeah based disease. on the reaction.
1: So the virus is SARS-CoV-2 and the disease is COVID-19. And again, the, the, the severe disease, the very severe disease is driven mainly by the overreaction of the immune system. Obviously, the more virus you have, or the more viral load you have, the probably the more overreaction you get. But I would assume that anything uh, that you do to normally stay healthy would be uh, also protective uh, against COVID. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, from from my standpoint, uh, as a, as also as a freak of lifestyle medicine, it's about the appropriate diet, it's about uh, uh, movement. Okay, so these ten thousand steps a day, or at least half an hour of uh, activity a day. It's about uh, proper sleep habits. Okay, so between so every you you should sleep between seven and nine hours every day, uh, and it's about emotional well being. Okay, so this is the kind of the four pillars of uh, uh, of a healthy lifestyle uh, and and uh, i could go on forever about diet uh, and about uh, and about sleep uh, mm-hmm. but uh, there is a lot of evidence now that uh, the uh, whole food plant-based diet is the absolute uh, is an absolutely the best uh, diet for uh, our species okay so this is even you know, they call the paleo diet, but the paleo diet is quite recent, the the paleo uh, humanoid is a a recent being versus the, you know, the older uh, human beings uh, or our ancestors, and they are mainly on whole food plant-based diets, okay, so gorillas and orangutans, uh, they are all on whole food plant-based diets, Mm -hmm. and uh, and there is now ample scientific evidence uh, showing that this is uh, the diet of choice uh, to reduce inflammation to reduce uh, uh mainly the inflammatory uh, reactions in our bodies which in turn are the causes of many many chronic diseases but also likely they are also the causes of the immune responses being so uh, you know vigorous mm-hmm. so i would uh, i would highly recommend you guys to uh, read up i'm happy also to uh, to talk to you if you want the next town hall about uh, about a healthy lifestyle, uh, but remember diet, uh, exercise, sleep, and emotional mm-hmm. well being.
0: Um, one of the questions here is, and it's one we know: if the government decides to close Poland, we're going to close too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not. We, there's no yeah. differentiation on that. If it's partial or in places, we feel quite confident we're going to create this bubble that we can potentially stay open in those kinds of circumstances where it's selective closures in selective places, because we'll be able to create a little bit different environment. But you're going to be watching localized community spread to advise us on any changes we should make in our absolutely, journey, absolutely. make as well. Again, remember a lot of
1: the, you know, governmental guidelines, uh, barring obviously a full blown lockdown
0: mm-hmm.
1: are politically driven mm-hmm. uh, so uh, and we we are not politically driven at all we are uh, health driven and we will be giving you guidelines which will be protecting your community uh, mm-hmm. and not protecting the you know, political aspects of uh, of the polish government
0: great. Um, uh, Some other questions that are more nuts and bolts here at school. Um, Orientation for new students will be coming out uh, tomorrow as well. Uh, We are still going to have an orientation. Uh, It'll be a little bit different and more limited in exposure and limited in numbers. So there will be some scheduled times on Monday the 17th. There won't be an open house as we've had in some cases in the past for returning students, so uh, we really are only going to be focused on new family uh, orientation on Monday the seventeenth, and we will have schedule and details out to new families in very short order. Uh, you know, describing that and helping that. Um, Emily asked a question about if there's a positive COVID results, um, and you know, this is where yes, there will be communication. It'll be generalized communication. What our response is depends upon the number of cases, and what decisions, if any, the crisis team has made in response to those cases. And again, we're going to get very quick feedback from EpiExpert. They're going to be involved in helping us make those decisions and helping us uh, in communicating that quickly and effectively, because that is one of the things that we're doing. I'm gonna say that I'm not gonna get into much more of the questions on some conspiracy theory related stuff. Dr. Olitsuk, you'll giggle, but we're seeing Wi-Fi and 5G in the comments now. Oh, really? Um, and, and really between you and I, we've talked about this, there's pretty clear science in this regard. Um, and so I'm, I'm really not gonna to try to get into those kinds of questions. Uh, Really appreciate everybody's time tonight. Let me talk about where we're going from here. Uh, We've got August 12th. Again, one more session of details and questions before that first day of school. Uh, I'll have Carol here, uh, Associate Director of Teaching and Learning, and administrators will be online with me as well talking about the first week. Uh, We may have Dr. Olshuk come back and join us again. Uh, for any follow-up questions that people may have, please reach out to me if you see a need for that. Um, We'll have another session on August 19th, kind of first day's reflection, new families. I'd love to have the PTO officers join me online so that we can talk about uh, PTO and activities that we're thinking about uh, in the first part of the year. And then August 26th, status update, parent questions. And we'll just continue the Wednesday habit for the time being to keep uh, looking um, at the questions, uh, we do, we will continue to talk about masks, and I will continue to accept information. But I want to be clear that it's an informed decision that this is the way we want to start, and that we'll be very sensitive to kids. And I think you're going to need to trust us on that, so that we can make sure we're doing the right thing for the whole population. I need to inform you, everyone out there, that. This is a very divisive issue. There's a split across the board. There's a quite a cadre of parents who very much want masks to be part of our environment, at least at the outset. And they're very strongly in favor of that. I know that there are some that are suggesting objection to this. We're trying to find the compromise here and find the place where everybody feels that they can live and be safe and be in school and help us with our startup in a very positive way. And the kids and, and the couple of families that I've encountered in my walks around the area are actually excited about choosing their mask and deciding what they want to wear and, 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 and what, it's, what they want it to look like. They've been out picking or they've been online picking and choosing. We all displayed our masks back in the springtime and how much uh, we were doing things. We had one student that was making masks for everyone in the springtime. I have one, Uh, it's not here right now, but it's one that I'll be wearing on a rotational basis. I will be in a mask and modeling and demonstrating for kids. Um, And so we'll keep talking about this, but I think we should plan for um, the masks to be part of our environment at the start and, and get ourselves a proven safe environment. And then we'll work our way forward from there. Uh, just a reminder, I thought I'd throw a couple images in that this will be rec- this is being recorded. It'll be available both on Facebook, but it'll also be available on Zimplicity so that you can watch it. Uh, also, I wanted to highlight that we've got an FAQ page that is now developing on Zimplicity that you can go to. Uh, links to all of the PowerPoint presentations uh, to get all of the information uh, necessary uh, uh, that we are developing and gathering and and getting for you so that you have quick and easy access to it. And somewhere on Simplicity or on our main website, we'll have that country list up very soon so that you can uh, guide your thinking as well. Dr. Illashuk, any final words from you as we uh, pull off uh, completing our session tonight?
1: No, uh, thank you very much. I look forward to working with you again. I'm at... Uh... Your disposal and uh, uh, again my uh, you know my main uh, my main objective is uh, is uh, is threefold you know to prevent the virus from entering the school to protecting all of the community just in case something happens uh, and then to making sure that you guys can continue a safe uh, learning environment in the classrooms, uh, like uh, you have been so far, and uh, and again, I I, I commit to uh, supporting John and the leadership team of the school uh, in the decision-making process going forward, and uh, and uh, again in ensuring that all of you feel uh, confident that your kids are safe.
0: Thank you, sir, and again, my appreciation for your partnership and for your sage advice. It's uh, comforting to know that we've got not just you, but your whole group backing us up and making good decisions here and taking us down the pathway. So thank you again so much for this evening and for all that you're doing. Pleasure and honor. Okay, if you want to, I'm going to get our uh, closing music up. If there's anything else, uh, everyone, please just write to me. I'm happy to respond to emails. and I've been very effective and, and consistent about that. So Uh, You'll get your reminder tomorrow and survey again as well. Uh, And we're going over those survey results uh, very uh, deeply to make sure that we're addressing those concerns as we get closer and closer to our first day at school. Have a wonderful rest of your evening and I'll look forward to seeing all of you uh, in a very short time. Thank you, you. John. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, I'm going to go to the outgoing music. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye.